If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I am back for the duration. We uh, do have some basketball tomorrow on WSB, but uh, beyond that, um, it's not going to affect my show. And uh, I'm back at my regular time. Live right now, taking calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And we do have a lively discussion afoot about what's really going on at the top. And um, I had a call before the break from uh, Brad about uh, that I don't counter people's defense of the Republican Party enough. I'm a libertarian. I am I am uh, for I'm a very small government. I'm actually an anarcho-capitalist, which means... I no longer have any faith in the government whatsoever, and I think uh, arm's length transactions, even for security, would be better than what we have now. I really think that. But let's just say libertarians generally are fiscal conservatives, civil libertarians like the Bill of Rights and personal liberty, economic liberty, and only engage in war uh, for self-defense, strictly self-defense, like the Christian concept of a just war, I would say, is kind of a good proxy for the non-aggression principle of libertarianism so i'm not a democrat i'm not a republican uh i think the republicans pay lip service to more of the things i believe in like the bill of rights and small government than the democrats but i believe at the top that it's so uh corrupted i wonder if that they they that the very very top of the pyramid doesn't work for us at all but for uh, big money big power and that uh, there's a chance that what's happening with the GOP right now, the fact that they are not vetting Trump, have not that that Jeb Jeb Bush had 150 million dollars and did not use it to vet Trump. I smell a rat with that, and I wonder if they would rather they know their voters aren't going to deliver them the biggest warmonger or whatever. I don't know what what's up with that, but I just have a feeling this is going to lead to a Hillary election. And I think it's because the, the Republican establishment is really um, okay with it and uh, want it. So, but before we've got, wow, that just made the phones light up. <laughs> I'm going to get to that. But I keep teasing to this uh, Merrick Garland thing. Let me just touch on it. Just tell you about this Obama Supreme Court nominee. And then we'll get back to these Calls on that topic. You can call on the the Supreme Court thing too, whatever. Uh, I was looking into this Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland, who is uh, Obama's nominee to fill the spot of Justice Scalia, who died. And uh, this guy is the top judge at the D.C. Circuit Court, I believe. 
But what caught my eye about this was that he made his bones, his reputation, overseeing the convictions of Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols and supervising the investigation into Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. And that happens to be those two cases that he made his bones on really threw up a red flag for me. Because uh, Tim McVeigh, if you've ever looked into that Oklahoma City story, there seems to be a lot of FBI activity, um, operatives and stuff in there. And Tim McVeigh wrote a letter to his sister two years before the Oklahoma City bombing saying that he had been tapped for undercover work with the special forces when he was in the Army. And the Kaczynski story is very disturbing. Uh, Kaczynski had been a Harvard student And his professor, or a professor there, Henry Murray, was, and this is undisputed, conducting, he did CIA MKUltra, which is mind control ultra, experiments on 22 Harvard students, including Kaczynski. So there is some deep state stuff at work there. And this guy uh, was the, the, the Johnny on the spot. So that freaks me out. I also find that his political views, so that makes me think, the reason I I don't like that is that that makes me think this isn't a guy who just has tons of integrity, is going to abide by the Constitution regardless of his personal feelings. Um, So then what are his personal feelings? What is the policy that he might pursue? Well, he was described as liberal-leaning except when it comes to criminal justice and national security. So what does that mean to me? On the three pillars I just described of libertarianism, if he's liberal-leaning, he's not a fiscal conservative. And if it's except when it comes to criminal justice and national security, I would say that he's no defender of the Bill of Rights and isn't going to demand, you know, put an end to these undeclared unconstitutional wars. So for me, he's the worst of all possible worlds because he's not going to rise above politics and his politics are awful. (laughs) So... Those are my two cents on that guy. I wrote several articles about it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, if you want to read them. And in the meanwhile, I am going to go to some calls. I'm going to Joe. Joe, you are on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Good discussion about the debt. Uh, yeah. yeah. We were, before the break, we were talking about you know $20 yeah. trillion in national debt for the most productive society uh, in human history. Yeah. We used to be the most productive society in human history. Oh, and is China surpassed us? The reality is right now, I'm in the construction business. The reality is right now, you can put an ad in the paper, you might get two people answer, none of them can, can pass a drug test, and most of them don't know how to do anything. Why? Because they are satisfied with the entitlement that they or their girlfriend or their mother, or their aunt, or whoever they're living with, whatever combination, they're satisfied with that minimum standard of living. We have lost the connection between work and eat. Illegals, you kick them out of this country, and let me tell you, I am ultra-conservative. We need to put a fence on the border. We need to seal the border. But I'm telling you, we kick these illegals out of the country. You got nobody to frame a house. You got See, nobody here's the thing, Joe. I want to I want to just point something out that people don't. Uh, I think people get the causal relationship backwards, and I think you're touching on the correct one, which is 
We have illegals because, this is my opinion, because there is a black market for labor, an underground market for labor that's created because legal workers, Americans, have this uh, wage floor, minimum wage, whatever, and then you have welfare, food stamps, all these things. Even just going to school on loans takes people out of the labor force, you know, disconnects them from the idea of spending money, making money first and spending money later. That, that you create this huge vacuum that draws in uh, outside labor because there's this, uh, this floor under which Americans won't work. And I will take it one step further and say, I think it's intentional. When I, I read a book or I'm reading through a book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, and if you dig into the education in this country, uh, you can find actual statements or plans or whatever where the guys want to uh, disconnect us, like you say, from, you know, they want technicians. They like STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. They want technicians, but they don't want people who uh, will fight for the country, will understand the philosophical or political philosophical framework for uh, getting ahead and human dignity and all the things that you're talking about. And in the end, if there's civil unrest or whatever, people who don't know how to do anything aren't going to put up much of a fight. I don't pay low wages. 15 bucks an hour. That is not yeah, lot. no, illegals, I looked, they get an average of the average income for an illegal immigrant who works is like $22,000. It's not minimum wage. It's not It's not the minimum wage. It's the fact that people won't take the jobs if they don't pay as much as the welfare floor. I will say one last thing. We have lost the connection between work and eat. Thank you for your time. Yes, yes, that is a, worth emphasizing, Joe. It would be nice. It's it's a disservice to people, and I actually think that minorities have been targeted for that. It's a disservice. It it makes you impotent to not be able to uh, take care of yourself, and uh, makes you weak and desperate and dependent. It's not a good. This welfare state for able-bodied people is, I think, um, uh, really hurts us. I'm going to Sean in Douglasville. Hi, Sean. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Uh, I called to talk about the debt. Go. I wanted to make a quick comment about what Joe just said. Yeah. As far as immigration. Uh, one thing, the wall, any wall you build to keep people out can be used to keep people in. And I think everybody needs to think about Ron that. Ron Paul they said that once, like in a debate. I was like, man, who's saying I mean, it's that? <laughs> it's utterly true. And the whole problem with immigration is going back to the globalization effort that's taking place. And if people want to know what's going on with immigration, look into globalization. But as far as debt goes, I think most of the people that have called, actually every person I've heard call, and most people that I talk to, I'm, I'm a conservative who I guess used to vote Republican. I don't really vote anymore because, uh, yeah, lots of reasons. But <laughs> okay. nonetheless, debt is, is, all debt is, is almost, the debt clock is almost a tally of how much money actually exists. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're blowing my mind, Sean. People need to understand this. Wow, I don't have enough time for this concept. Hold on. Can I just hold on? Let me try to put that in a nutshell um, and then go to the break. Uh, We have a debt based currency, which is really hard to understand. In order for the U.S. government to print money, it should just have gold and then print certificates for the gold. But it doesn't. It allows the Fed, which is a private corporation, to lend it money. And then it lends it out to us. So every single penny that our U.S. government mints or whatever prints, it originated as debt. It gets super complicated. Uh, and that is in part, I'm going to let Sean hang on through the break if he can. And I want him to expand on that idea 
uh, because I want to make sure I understand what he's saying correctly. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We have quite the lively discussion going on from everything from uh, what's going on behind the scenes with the national election to uh, we started a very interesting conversation about the national debt. It's out of control, $20 trillion, something like that. Uh, I was on the line with Sean, and I'm going to let him finish up, but I see Bob and Alpharetta says we can deal with the debt, and I'm going to get to him uh, next. But first, let me finish up with Sean. Sean in Douglasville. Uh, okay, so after you made your comment, I tried to, I think what you were talking about is how we have a debt-based currency, or is it's, are you talking about like a, something a little more complicated? No, I'm exactly what you said. Like a, a dollar cannot exist without debt existing. Every new dollar that goes into our economy is a debt-based dollar. You can, to reduce the national deficit, to, to make it simple for people, to reduce the national deficit would be to reduce the economy, plain and simple. If you took $5 trillion off the deficit, then you would be taking $5 trillion out of the economy. So would the you economy, say it would well, be possible to return to a gold standard? No, it wouldn't be possible to return to a gold standard because the gold has been completely monopolized by the, pe- the people in power at this time. All the gold has been hoarded up. We couldn't go to a gold-based currency at this time because the very people that control the currency now virtually have all the gold. What if they so were we required? But what okay. if they were required to freeze money production right now and only increase it to the extent there's more gold produced? No uh, way. I mean, just doesn't grow possible, fast enough. But you would you would still greatly reduce the, the amount of currency that's in circulation. But the, I mean, it's a very simple solution and the way I see it. But what's the solution? To understand, you cannot reduce the deficit without actually changing. So what's the your solution? Itself. This, to change the system. It's the only way. There, it's impossible to reduce the deficit without changing monetary policy. You have to eliminate the Federal Reserve Bank. You yeah. have to give the Treasury Department the ability to control our currency once again. I got to tell you, Sean. Simple thing, you yeah, get $12 trillion worth of debt instantly. Instantly, it just disappear because it's not real. Look, listen, time out. <laughs> Reserve, hold on. The Federal Reserve, I think, last time I looked, had $4 trillion on the books. So when we hit the debt ceiling, I thought... Well, let's just repudiate that because it's not legitimate, and then we will have this extra room. Uh, and then the rest, I think, is in the fractional reserve system, that that $4 trillion goes to all the member banks, basically, uh, and then they lend 10 times or whatever on top of that, correct? Exactly. But, we, I mean, people need to understand that. I'm glad you brought that up. You hear people talk about the Bank of China and how we're borrowing all this money from China. China only, we only owe China a little over $2 trillion. We borrow far more money from ourselves. We owe over $3 trillion to our own pension plans and 401ks. We owe right. over $3 trillion to Social Security. It does, it does get complicated, and I think it is worth digging into. There are several really good documentaries um, or you know, explanation, explanatory videos on YouTube that talk about this. And I've always, I always found that the very uh, concept of what we think our government, even the Republicans don't even say small government. They say we need to use government to create jobs. It's always stimulation, 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 growth. That is what is unsustainable. Having zero interest rates is very artificial. It's unsustainable. Uh, I may say a few more words about that after the break and get to more of your calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that 
I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Now that basketball and football are over, well, there is a basketball game tomorrow, but uh, I'll be on for the duration at my regular time, Saturdays 3 to 6 here on WSB. And we are halfway through the show, and we've got a lively conversation going on uh, about debt and the nature of debt, the Fed, that kind of thing. I don't like to get too, well, I shouldn't say I don't like to, but it's difficult to get really deep into uh, the the scam that is the way our system works. I just want to touch, I have a lot of calls, I'm going to, um, I think I can get to all of them, so if you're on, hang on. Uh, here's the thing. I, I I find it very difficult to really keep uh, digging into how sinister the financial system is. And by that, I mean the Federal Reserve, that kind of thing. If you look at a chart, and it's hard to find these charts, but I found one. And if I can relocate it, I'll post it uh, when I post this podcast on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, next week. It shows the price level it shows the 19, 19th century, the price level is basically flat. So like a carton of milk is a dollar in 1900 and in 1800. Then it shows the 20th century and the price level just skyrockets. So that milk is then $5 or whatever. I, I think it's a, like a 95%. The dollar lost 95% of its value. And, the, and wages don't go up as fast. So you've had wealth disparity inequality since then and that's that's on purpose that was if you go back to the original uh discussion back when the fed was being established people like charles Lindbergh senior were talking about stuff like that about that's how this would come out but to really understand the nuances of it is hard and i am a numbers person you think i'm a talker and i am but i have an economics undergrad from harvard a business degree from stanford and i'm a chartered financial analyst if that means anything to you i'm a numbers person and i still find it hard to get my mind around uh just how deep that rabbit hole is how complicated it is and and how vulnerable it makes us but the other thing is uh how hard it's it is to get out of it that we've got this stimulation based constant growth based economy that keeps us all working like mad paying 50% taxes when we've really gone beyond the point where we could make other choices we could choose leisure there really isn't a scarcity of food since the green revolution of the 60s there isn't really a call for war since nukes have basically uh, frozen the territories of the big powers in place, you you just don't have to have this mad scramble all the time. We could make other choices, but the system is set up to keep that scramble going. And uh, and the last thing I'll say is that Sean was the last caller, and before that was Joe. Uh, Sean talked about the debt. Joe wanted to make a point that people don't people have disconnected the idea of working and eating. And I would say the debt conversation goes right to that because people have disconnected the idea of producing and consuming. John Maynard Keynes tried to convince us that debt was as good as production, but it isn't. Producing creates its own demand. It limits demand to what can be uh, uh, actually produced, and it creates uh, it, it avoids these kind of devastating holes that we find ourselves in every 10 years when the market crashes. Uh, but I am going to go to Bob and Alpharetta. Bob, you're on with Monica. Hey, hello, Monica. Hey, first thing is, first of all, I absolutely love your audience. These people are 
sharp. You got to be smart. I know. I love that. And I hear that yeah. from radio people. They're like, wow, we told you, you know, you probably couldn't get into that stuff, but your callers keep up and they start it. I, I, it's amazing. I was, I was going to, first of all, two things. One is I agree with your positions 100%. I'm military. I've worked for two Fortune 500 companies. I've run my own businesses. I understand. And what you're saying is 100% correct. Yes, we have to disconnect from the way we're currently doing uh, our banking because it's a disaster. Fractional reserve currency, once a guy gets his head wrapped around that, once he gets his head wrapped around everything that's created through debt, then you, have, then, you, then you clearly understand. Problem is, everyone that suggested that either gets marginalized or dead. So yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm all for it. And yes, we do need to do it. And no, the only serious discussion in that area was, was Ron Paul and yeah, and are you referring to JFK? Some people think that one yeah. of the reasons that he was targeted was that he was going to return the minting to the Treasury silver certificates. And then right after that, I don't know if he if he was the one who got rid of silver, though. But there is some... I, I have never connected the dots with that particular theory. With, well, he uh, two, two sins simultaneously. Uh, the first one was just what you just said. And the yeah. second one is he... You look to minimize our involvement in Vietnam. Yeah, that's what that's what I've come up with. The other one, I, I never really was able to bring home. But anyway, finish your point, Bob. Well, anyway, so no, you're 100% correct in all that, and I, I agree. And I'm amazed that the folks in your audience hang on to that, that argument, the fact that, okay. So that gets us to what our real problems are. Our real problems are, of course, bond sales. The, the fact that, we, that, that China owns us, that's psychops. It's nonsense. They own less than $2 trillion of our debt. In fact, we forgave almost that much with Nixon in 72 uh, with Mao. So I don't agree with that. But what the real problem is, is in addition to debt, is long-term liabilities to Medicare, Medicaid, and that's all been mentioned. So I'm not going to hit that again. So how do we get out of this? And there's only one sector that can get us out of this, and that's manufacturing. The supply side does work. If a demand-side economy worked, my, answer, my question is simple. Yeah. What was the demand, for example, of transistor electronics in 1929? And, and the answer would be well, zero because it hadn't been invented. And now it's zero again, right? Well, do you count computers as transistors? Sure, but transistor okay. type technology. I was an electrical engineer. Transistor type type technology is in everything. It's ubiquitous. Yes. Okay. I understand. It's, it's across the board. So my real point is: look, suppliers create and innovate products for people of those that desperately need them. Uh, that don't even know it yet. For example, a cell phone 30 years ago, no one carried. It was ridiculous, expensive. You carried a satchel, a billion dollars a minute. It was nonsense. Today, no one leaves the house without it. So. The real reality is suppliers create and innovate new products for people that don't even know they desperately need them yet. And, and that being said, that gives people a reason to get up in the morning. The reason why we've disconnected work from, from eating and so on and so forth is because there's no darn reason. There's nobody out there educating or building a roadmap for how a person gets from A to B, from zero to wealthy. We used to be a country that made poor people rich. We're not that country. We haven't been for a long time because we've systematically deindustrialize this country on purpose. I did have somebody call once. Oh, I know. They have deindustrialized on purpose, and it was in some of the literature, what I call the deep, deep history. I go to the mid-20th century when people were still fighting the good fight and were able to get their stuff published where they say this deindustrialization is intentional. And that brings us back to something I've mentioned many times is this goal of converging east and west so that you can have a world government. You can't have a world government 
if the United States is so, because of capitalism, so far ahead of places like China and Russia. So you need to build them up a little bit and push us down. I, I do think that was the plan. That's the source of that deindustrialization. Of course, specifically to your point, just recently, Obama was meeting with uh, Trudeau. And in that, he, I don't know if you caught this, but he said, hey, he said, what we need to do is spread manufacturing around. Sounds a little bit like spread the wealth around. And that's exactly what he means. He means we have to tamp down the United States so it can no longer compete. So let's think about that. In just tax, tax compliance, and regulatory costs, and I can go on about regulatory for a while, these three costs are half of our GDP. Wow. Is that true? I, I can't verify that in real time, okay. but right, I wouldn't so be surprised. I'll give you an example. My dad ran a Oh, uh, you can't give me an example. It's going to go on too long. Um, no, you got give me a conclusion. Yeah. Okay, all right, look, look how much look how much we spend to collect taxes. Tax uh, compliance, accounting, bookkeeping, lost productivity. Take a look, take that cost, that's cost of compliance. 75,000 page tax code and growing and who knows how many pages really. Honestly, it's a big book of favors. And no one can wade through it because it's so conflicting. I mean, you can't be 100% in compliance. It's it's right. impossible. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you have that cost which is Okay, you can say it's not completely tangible, but it is. You have lost productivity. You have you have the cost of, of these services to keep you out of trouble with the IRS, blah, blah, blah. Then you have the actual cost of the taxes, which is the highest tax structure in the world. I mean, tell me, give me another. Right. No, I've looked into that. I would say it's equivalent, equivalent okay. to like the UK and stuff. Okay. Which which is exactly why we're not producing. Then you add to that the regulatory costs, OSHA, MSHA, DEQ. Here's a quick example. OSHA, MSHA, real fast. No, you can't. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it, Bob. Um the the I did read an article in Reason Magazine recently that did talk about something like, uh, you know, you're you lost 90 percent of your productivity because of the regulations and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's probably reasonable. You can't look at it in terms of w where we would be if we were unleashed. I don't even think we would live in the same kind of society. I think we'd probably be beyond manufacturing and start genuinely contemplating the nature of God. Like, I think that we have reached technology to the point where we would make other choices than just uh, consuming material things. I think they've actually gone out of their way to keep us focused on consuming material things. So I appreciate the call. I'm going to Bob in Gainesville. Bob, you're on with Monica. Oh, hello, Monica. Hey, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, great. Um, the last call you had before the 4 p.m. break identified himself as a Democrat. Brad. And he said that you didn't adequately correct your callers when they got their facts wrong. And I'll say I listen to a lot of talk radio. I believe that you are the most diligent in correcting callers who get their facts wrong. And if thank you, you Bob. Them, you at least question it when you can't correct somebody if, you know, they make a large assumption that, you know, you don't have all the facts at your fingertips. But at least you call it into question and say, I can't confirm that. And so I appreciate that. But Mr. Fact Checker made claims that were totally false. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Thanks, Bob. He said, I appreciate that. George Bush started Medicare, and you very discreetly corrected him and said Medicare Part D, uh, which he did not respond to. But, uh, you know... Yeah, LBJ started Medicare, did he right. not? Medicare was in 1960. Well, it was passed in 1965, and the first enrollees were accepted in 1966. So, yeah, that that was Medicare. Medicare Part D, yes, came in in 2003 under George Bush. But uh, then he says that it was responsible for half of our national debt. The national debt's over 19 trillion. Well, as you've been rounding it off to 20 trillion, so that'd be 10 trillion dollars. Uh, I don't have the latest figures, but the last thing that was published by the government, uh, the General Revenue page of the Medicare Trustees Report, 
uh, the first nine years of Medicare cost uh, added $318 billion to the national debt. So that's like, you know, $30 billion a year. Uh, you know, and the same report projects that it's going to be $852 billion over the next 10 years. So, you know, we're looking not 50% of the national debt, but closer to 2.5% of the national debt. So <clears throat> you corrected his first claim that it was George yeah. Bush who started Medicare, and I'm correcting his second claim that it's half of the national debt. Yeah, no, I, what I do think is a lot of the national debt is Social Security and a lot of those things. But you can look at... Uh, the the national debt a lot of it only a small amount of it is what i would consider to be legitimate most of it is uh these wealth transfers and and they're just so inefficient because if you actually just took that sum and divided it by the number of people in this country every single person would be above the poverty level really do that math it's pretty crazy 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is 67 degrees outside the studio, getting down to 42 overnight. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we've been getting pretty dug into this debt question, the Federal Reserve. Let me highly recommend Mises.org. It's a really a great resource for understanding um, these kind of issues. And there's also a local resource fee, the future uh, of economic education, uh, Foundation for Economic Education right here in Atlanta, FEE, that also for younger people is a great resource for understanding this stuff. But Mises.org has a lot of books um, at all levels of understanding. And I just absolutely love it for the free market oriented and moral uh, person. I am uh, going to, I think, let me just make a quick uh, talk to John and Clark. John, you're on with Monica. Yes, ma'am. It's Clarksville. Um, I, I, I just really got upset when you took the call from this Brett and he started attacking the Republicans as being just as much responsible for the for the debt issue. And I, I do tell you, you know, I I made a conscious decision when I was a co- in college during the Vietnam Year Wars when it was very impressive to be a Republican. I wa- I became a Republican, and the, the thing that drew me to being a Republican was the concept, the principle that they've always espoused. The government espoused. I'm sorry? Espoused is different from employed. You know what I mean? I think they've changed. I think they say it. I don't think so. I don't think so. The problem has been they let the officials. They, when they get to Washington, we send them up there. We tell them not to spend the money. And then when they get to Washington, something's in the water up there or whatever that they, they don't hold to what we send them up there to do. Yeah, and that's really all uh, I'm saying. I absolutely, 100% believe that Republicans, uh, voters, are the ones who want fiscal conservatism. They're the ones who gave birth to the Tea Party. They're the ones who supported Ron Paul. They're the ones the establishment's worried about. They're disgruntled because they have this cognitive dissonance. They can't understand why they vote for this, and they never, ever get it. Um we can continue that uh, conversation. I also, Jesse's been on hold for a while. I want to tell me about how, why people aren't able to pass drug tests anymore. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.